the flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are and for all that you've given to us, all that you've done for us. And God, we just pray that we would have a, an awareness of the reasons that you give us to simply trust you and follow you, that we would not be affected by fear. Oh Lord, we would just be simply trusting and obeying. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I don't generally use a lot of notes up here because I don't like to, to read. Um, usually I bring a little bitty outline. Didn't even do that today. But uh, so I don't know if some things pop up on the screen. They may be out of order from what I've, what I've said. That's all right. But I want to talk about um, reasons that we should reject fear as believers. Reasons to reject fear. As a church, as the church, Christians are often concerned about the world around us. We're often concerned about our place in it. We're concerned about loss of rights. We're concerned about persecution at times and things turning against people of faith. And it's certainly uh, God's never called us to stick our heads in the sand and pretend that things are not going on around us. And yet, the idea that Scripture gives us as a people of God to know that whatever we go through, we don't have to fear. And that's throughout His Word. In the Old Testament, the people of God, it did not yet include Gentiles. It, it was Israel or Jacob, another name referring to the same group of people, God's called people. But once Christ came and he initiated the church age, uh, now those of us who are believers, whether we are Jews or Gentiles, we're all part of God's people. And Isaiah, as he was inspired by God, was speaking to the people of Israel, God's people, and he says, I don't want you to fear. They were going through all kinds of difficulties and hardships and circumstances. But he said, do not fear. And he, he called to mind a, a couple of, of different occasions for them to think about in Israel's uh, far past, distant past, and recent past. First, he says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and the waves will not overcome you. And we cannot hardly say passing through the waters without remembering God's leading them through the Red Sea. They came to that point where they were, they were blocked in on both sides. Water in front of them, the Egyptian army behind them. And from the physical, the human standpoint, there, there was no hope. What in the world are we going to do? God, you've, you've led us all this way, but now we're about to die. That was the thought of the people of Israel. And, and so often they, they echoed that kind of reasoning. And sometimes as believers, we can get to that. Well, God, I know you took care of me in the past, but right now where I'm in right now, I can't see what you're doing. Where's the future, God? 
What are you doing in the present? Do I have hope? But they were reminded that God would bring them, just as he brought the Israelites, just as we saw those waters parted and passed through the waters, I will be with you. And, you know, there's a lot of things in the, uh, in the, in the Bible that we, we make our own pictures of. Occasionally, we have a picture made for us, whether it's from a Sunday school lesson or a, a classic movie. And, you know, I, I can just picture that, that water just going way, way up, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 feet, just kind of threatening to come down. God says, I'll be with you. And those waves, they're gnarly waves, big waves, huge waves. They will not overcome you. Then he switches to an imagery of fire. He says, when you go in that fire, you'll not be burned. And of course, this brings to mind those three Israelite teenage guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And here they were, taken from their homeland, taken from their parents, taken from everything that they'd ever known, and yet they knew that if everything else was left behind, that God was still with them. That God was not back in Israel, but that we serve a God who is ever-present, who is all over the place. And so God was still with them, even as the king said, if you don't bow down to me, you're going to be burned. So they're thrown into that fire. And the king was so mad, he said, make it hotter, make it seven times hotter. This is the way of saying, basically, make it as hot as possible. And the guards who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, it was so hot that they themselves perished, not even entering the fire, just getting close enough to it. How many of y'all have got a little too close to the burn pile once or twice in your life, you know? You, you thought, I'm okay, and whoa, that was not okay. You know, you draw back, maybe a little singed eyebrow or something, and you understand that feeling, getting anywhere close to the fire, it can be burned. And yet the Bible tells us that when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out, not only was not a single hair on their head singed, they didn't even smell a smoke. You ever try to get smoke smell out of something? Years ago, uh, when I was between college and seminary, I took a semester off and just took some odd jobs figuring out what to do. And I worked at a place called Hudson Salvage, okay? I don't know if you've ever heard of Hudson Salvage high-class establishment, let me tell you. And so we had all these things, and, you know, this is not nice. Like, we got bargain hunt. That's, like, nice. You know, it's well-arranged and stuff's pretty nice. But when you go into Hudson Salvage, at least back then, I mean, it was 90% off because 90% of it was burnt, you know? So you just got the 10% left, okay. And, and things had been through floods and through fires, and they would stink so bad. And I remember coming home from that place being like, oh, let me, let me just shower. Let me get all this smell because you just can hardly get that smell out. And it's like God said, I'm going to do a miracle plus one. Not only are they not going to be burned, but they're not even going to smell of smoke. And both of these situations, the Israelite people walking through and escaping the Red Sea and, and those three young men that, who were not the whole nation of Israel, but they were representative of the people of God. 
They were an example for God's people, even in exile, to know that he had not abandoned them, that he had not left them. And they were there. And so these stories, when, when the prophet Isaiah talks about the waves not overcoming you and the fire uh, not burning you up, immediately every Israelite would be thinking these things because these were stories that they taught and, and passed on to their children and grandchildren. And, and these things were to give them fear, to give them, a, excuse me, a confidence to reject fear. So let's see, did I put the points up there? Are they there? Let's go to the first one. We'll do them in the order that they're in there. Oh, that's it. There's not, well, I can make up whatever points I want. Okay. I couldn't remember if I turned in the points or not. So, oh, he's been going through the points. Okay, there you go. Uh, God's personal. I am with you. No, you're good, Judy. Calm down. God is personal. So he's there. He says, I've called you by name. You are mine. All right? We just talked about God uh, paying our debt. He says, I have called you by name. You are mine. You, I have redeemed you. He's there for us, not only being he created us. We all wondered. All we like sheep have gone astray, the Bible says. And then he brought us back. We are doubly his. So God owns us. God's present with us. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. This is important for us to know because God didn't promise you're going to avoid the waters. He didn't say you'll never go through them. He says you will go through them, not if you go through them, but when you go through the flood and the flame, I'll be with you. There is a defective false gospel that says, believe in Jesus and all your problems are over. Your bank account's just going to start multiplying and your problems are going to start going away. But that's not the true gospel. The true gospel says that you will live this life with all the troubles you would have had. In fact, you may have a few more just because you're a believer in the name of Jesus. But you will have the presence of God with you. And so God is He's present in your life, he's personal, and he's protective. God watches out for us no matter what we go through. Now, this morning, uh, we are going to stop there and say that's part one of the message because we have an elder installation, and I want to preach a little bit more. And when we do that, have a little fun with this. So let's think about right now, though, as the people of God— as believers, instead of us looking at ourselves and our situations with fear, instead of us being like the ten spies who went out from the, to, to spy into the promised land, not the good ones, not Joshua and Caleb, but those other ten who said, oh, we're grasshoppers. We're little. We appeared, they, they, we appeared like grasshoppers to those Canaanites, and, and we felt that way ourselves. Instead of taking that grasshopper mentality, instead we should look at life as Joshua and Caleb, who said, oh, that's a good land, and it's there for the taking. That is, yeah, there's dangers. Yeah, there's trials. Yeah, there's difficulties. But God is with us. Jesus said, I will build my church. You are part of a winning team. 
You're part of a team that will win in the end. You know that. You understand that. So let's pray, and then we're going to have our time of, of, of um, response, and then we're going to get to our uh, elder installation and talk a little bit more from God's Word. God, we come to you, and Lord, I think all of us, if we're honest, we deal with the spirit of fear at times, threatening. God, you've called upon us to be people of faith. You've called upon us uh, to be obedient to you, to be trusting in you, regardless of the circumstances that surround us. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to identify those things around us that, that are frightening us, to be real about it, what it is, but then to simply say, God, you're bigger. You're bigger than that flood, and you're bigger than that flame. And Lord, whatever you do, it's going to bring glory to you. It's going to bring good to me in the end. Lord, help us now as we take a moment to sing just a bit and to consider our response to you, how we might trust you more, how we might reject fear, how we might lift up those brothers and sisters of ours who are struggling. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.